Hey, Chrissy here. I am a landscape architect and the owner of Kismet Design. I am a very process-driven designer, and I love sharing what I do and how I do it with anyone who's interested. Reaching your true potential and achieving your own personal goals will not happen by chance. You have to set your intentions, make a plan, and do the work. Thank you for joining me to nerd out on design. Don't forget to subscribe and to share too. Let's create something great together. I'm really excited today to welcome Marty Dober to the podcast. Marty Dover is an award-winning designer and the founder and principal of Gardens by Marty, a design-build company located in Asheville, North Carolina, which specializes in renovating residential landscapes in historic neighborhoods. Marty also shares her business expertise with other landscape design professionals through her educational and consulting business, martydover.com. I will link both of her websites in the show notes so you can find out more about her there. Before we jump into the topic for today of maintaining engagement with clients after installation, um, Marty, if you want to share a little bit more about yourself and your businesses and services that you offer, that would be great. Great. Thank you for having me, Chrissy. I have really been looking so forward to this conversation. And um, we were talking before the um, podcast started about how invigorating it is for me to be connected with other landscape designers who are running their own businesses. And that is not just an invigorating connection for me, that's really essential. So I'm very very glad to be here for this conversation today. And as you said, I am a, um, a garden designer in the mountains of North Carolina. Like many in this design business, I came to this career in midlife. Before I went back to school for horticulture and garden design, I practiced as a clinical social worker and operated another small creative company. My love of the natural world plants and good design led me to start designing gardens, first dipping my toe in the water with friends who I began designing gardens for free for them. And then ultimately I opened my own business and my business has seen several iterations from installing the plant material myself to running my own crews for installation and maintenance to being a solo designer. For several years, I operated as a licensed landscape contractor and managed the entire scope of the installation process. At the moment, I have a landscape architect in the office with me and we do all the design work for our projects and then work closely with trusted contractors to install these designs to make sure the final product is in line with each unique design intent. We also provide consultations for maintenance as the garden grows in um, and matures. A couple of years ago, I began offering one-on-one coaching to emerging landscape designers, and this has evolved into an eight-week online interactive course called Foundations of a Garden Design Business. The content of this course has been specifically designed for landscape designers who are running a business, and I also have a membership that is a private group of other design professionals. We meet monthly to explore different topics related to running and design practice. I created this course and the membership community to provide a structure to help others who are um, design business owners make sense of all their resources like CAD training, other design curriculum, accounting classes, business classes, et cetera, and to incorporate these resources and all their skills and education into the larger picture of their business. So really I'm offering spaces to explore how to bring together all the different parts of a business, whether it's learned from a class or from business or life experience and build upon these parts, crafting them into a design business that is as efficient and profitable and enjoyable as it can be. I love it. So between the two businesses, obviously that's kind of evolved over time. Um, but what brought you into the industry? Um, you, you said a little bit about your history, but what, what kind of spurred your 
your entry into the design landscape design realm? Well, my love of beauty in the natural world started young as a child. I grew up on a small hobby farm in rural Western North Carolina, and it was really a lovely connection to nature. I was surrounded by vegetable and flower gardens and chickens and berry brambles and horse pastures. And it was just the most lovely place to grow up. And so my, my playground early in life was, was the natural world. And absolutely that has influenced my career path. I've had long time interest in art and design and horticulture and human relationships. And my design practice really is a marriage of all of these fields. I have, um, I've had a circuitous path to this moment. As I said earlier, this was, um, this was not my first career. And, um, you know, in hindsight, it's, it's really obvious how one thing led to another, but it was an art history, an art history degree in um, college and a semester in London studying art and architecture and visiting as part of that program, a lot of historic homes and gardens, and then uh, a graduate degree in social work and then, um, and then back into the, the more science part of um, horticulture and design part through a garden design degree. So it was, a, it was not a straight path. Which I think very few people in this industry have a straight path. It's, I think it's more common for landscape designers to have found this as their second or third career. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty rare for people to, you know, have a, a straight path. I'm, I had a pretty straight path and I think I'm the, the exception to the rule when it, when it comes to most of us. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. And I'm learning that more and more with with students who are coming to my course that there, I don't, I don't think I've had a single student who is, um, you know, in their early twenties embarking on this. These are folks who, who have had families and are coming back into the work uh, force, or they have had a different, a different, sometimes a very different career. Yeah. Or coming to landscape design. There's always some transferable skills though. For sure. Absolutely, for sure. And and that's what I mean when I say I look back on my own path and realize even though it it's in the moments of these, like even when I was in England <clears throat> as a college student, like it would never have occurred to me that I would be making a living designing gardens. And yet that was such an important part of the experience there. And it makes sense now that that influenced me. Yeah, for sure. So we can jump into the topic for today, which is maintaining engagement after the installation. There's kind of a, an evolution of kind of how that works, but what are some of the touch points that are built into your process to keep clients engaged with you after the project is complete? Well, I'll say first, the life cycle of the client relationship is um, is one that really starts before a client even reaches out to a designer. And developing trust and engagement at every stage is really key to a successful landscape design business. And this life cycle doesn't end with the last sweep of the broom after an install. It reaches into what I call the post-project phase, which is immediately after the project is completed, and then into the phase of an ongoing relationship with the client. And I see these post-project touch points really falling into basically three categories. First is following up after a project is installed uh, to offer garden care advice and enhancements. And these are really such great opportunities to re-engage with, with clients. And first off, maintenance. Uh, all gardens need maintenance. And I preach this from the very first initial meeting with clients. But when
when you have the garden in and it's beginning to grow in, it's a great opportunity to offer to clients um, to help get professional maintenance in place. And there are always pieces of a garden that need maintenance, whether it's vines or spalier trees that need training, irrigation, lighting systems need tweaking, um, you name it. We, we, we know gardens, <clears throat> gardens need to be tended. So a refresh or a maintenance consult after the installation really helps ensure that the garden is going to grow into what it was meant to be. And this will also give you some great opportunities to photograph the garden as it begins to mature. And we know well-maintained gardens photograph, photograph beautifully. These photos are great for building your website or applying for awards. So getting in there and documenting what happens, um, what is happening, it's, it's really important. But back to uh, ways to stay engaged with the client. Gardens also need enhancements over time. Maybe the client is now ready to add a piece of art or ornament to the garden that was talked about during the design process but wasn't actually installed during that time. Maybe an upcoming life milestone presents an opportunity to add that gorgeous peak bench that you were uh, talking about whenever you were putting together all the components of the design. Maybe that gets engraved with an anniversary date. Um, lots of opportunities to add those final touches to the garden that sometimes just for budgetary reasons or construction fatigue or whatever doesn't get um, doesn't get implemented right in that or doesn't get implemented within the initial installation phase. The second bucket is um, engaging with clients around offering services when there are seasonal changes that might be helpful around holidays or around events. This might be creating a holiday container, something that's festive for the season or reminding clients that spring's a great time to tweak their annual selections for the season. And some specifically targeted offers, put these into a couple of different categories, the offers that are kind of general overarching things that you could do for clients at different moments of the year. But you can also create some really great targeted offers that um, might remind the mother of the bride client who, um, who's looking at an upcoming wedding party in her garden and reminding that it would be beautiful to have a refresh of the back garden bed to look great for that party. With everything in your business, you need to know which business model is and who your client base is and for example, I have a very relational business model, um, and so I'm often aware of things like upcoming births or weddings or retirements, sometimes even things like where their vacation destination is. And so I use that information as, um, as a jumping off point to offer some things like the example of the, of the wedding the wedding, the refresh around a wedding time. So for some people who are not that involved with clients' lives, then that's probably not going to be well-suited to their business model. And I, I find myself saying so often when I'm, when I'm in class with students, uh, I get a question and the answer will be, well, it depends on what your business model is depends on what your ideal client is. And um, so getting, getting clear about who you're working with and, and giving some thought to how to connect what you're offering with who you're working with in a logical way so that it's on point. Well, and as designers, we, I think most, not maybe not all, uh, we really get to know our clients really well and some more than others. And some you, you make a, a stronger, more personal connection with, and 
I think that having, having those touch points where, you know, that the wedding's coming up or, you know, they're welcoming a new grandchild or things like that. Like those are, those are touch points that, you know, are, are really great too. It is a very personal business and that adds to the, just the overall customer service that you can offer. And I think having that, having that relationship built on trust just adds to, to that feeling when, when you show things that you care about them, you know, things about their life and you're, you're thinking of them. It's like, Oh, Hey, I, I know that this is coming up and this is going on. And I think that that, that builds that relationship and keeps it continuing instead of here's your design. Here's the install. Now we're done. See you later. Um, and like you said, having, having projects that you can go back and continue to take pictures of helps build your, build your portfolio, but it's also really nice to go back and see that, you know, the garden looks beautiful and see your work as it grows in and get that, that feedback loop for, oh yeah, that, that is getting bigger than I thought it would, or it's not thriving here. Maybe, you know, next time I use that plant, I should do something different. There's always um, learning experiences there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that, that feedback loop of you're giving the client information, you're getting information from the client and information from the client, from the garden is really important for us in terms of what, just like what you said, the building trust and maintaining engagement with them, but also it's good information for um, our design process moving forward, whether it's plant material information or hardscaping product information. Um, it's really valuable information to put into your future designs. Yeah, for sure. Um, another thing that we had talked about offline, um, that we haven't really mentioned yet is asking for testimonials. And I think that that's a really important piece for, for designers as they're starting out, um, before they really develop like a solid client base where they're, where they're getting a lot of referrals. Um, Mm -hmm. I think asking for testimonials can feel really awkward sometimes for many designers. Um, how do you go about asking for testimonials and what what do you talk with your um, students about? Yeah, well, I, I think getting feedback from clients is a key part of the design process. And it's not only important, like we were just talking about visiting the gardens for um, information about quality improvement, but it's getting a testimonial, getting feedback from clients after a project is in is really helpful because you're going to be improving what you're offering and you're going to be helping potential clients decide if you're the best fit for their project by offering some of the testimonials from previous projects. And how you go about this is going to depend on what your business model is. Here's how I do it. At the very end of every project in my practice, clients receive a standardized feedback form from me in a stamped and pre-addressed envelope. It's easier for them to give you feedback or give you a testimonial if you make it easy for them. And again, this is based on the business model. My clients tend to respond better to paper. Uh, my the, the average age of my client is about 60. And um, and you know, so if your if your clientele is younger or if they have a different demographic, then you know, maybe it's better to send out testimonial requests electronically. But I found that I get more feedback from folks by sending it in paper with a stamped envelope to come back to me. And I tell them, grab a glass of wine or a cup of coffee and sit down and remember what your project was like as we were dreaming about it and also what it is in reality now and and consider giving me some feedback. So this form is very personalized to my business model, this form and the um, process of getting this information is very personalized to my business model. The questions on the form address what I think are the most important elements of the client experience. Um, and again, these questions have been carefully crafted to, to draw out the details that I'm looking for. So we specifically ask for 
information about how we did navigating the project from completion from conception to completion. We we asked how did we engage them in a collaborative process? How the details of the garden fit into a unified whole? Where did we create moments of magic? What was their experience with other members of the team, um, with the contractors, with the artists that we are using, with craftspeople, with maintenance folks, and um, where are areas that they see improvement in our delivery of services? And after they have looked at those questions and had the opportunity to speak to them, I, I name that referrals and testimonials are my main source of new clients and ask them if they would allow me to share their comments. And I give them specific options around sharing that they can either share with their name or not, or with their initials, or to of course not share at all. And I let them know how the testimonials will be used. In my case, it, it's on my website and that they're offering something to potential clients that would help those folks understand what the benefits of working with me would be. And um, and I, I, I do follow up with folks who don't return these to me. Um, if, if I don't get a response to an initial request, I don't hesitate to send a general reminder because clients do sometimes intend to respond and, and just get busy. Uh, but if they're not comfortable with Providing a testimonial, obviously, I, I don't want to push them, but to just simply and graciously thank them for their business and let them know that I appreciate their honesty. But I get um, a pretty high return rate on, on these. And I, I think that, that this is an important touch for the client. It says, my experience with you was important. And I want to know what your experience with me was. And it's about, as you and I spoke earlier, it's about building and maintaining that trust that when, when I walk off a job, I want to feel really good about what we have done. And I want to feel really good about that project for years to come. And it's helpful to get the feedback and it's also helpful for the client to be reminded that it is important to me that the job is um, is beautiful and enduring and it's it's a way to um, reinforce that you appreciate what their experience is that's long-winded way to answer that no I love it I I appreciate you kind of diving into what the questions you you ask are I think that's really it's really helpful. And I, I think it's really very interesting that you get better responses with a paper version versus an online version. I mean, that's something I, I never would have even thought about, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, depending on your client demographic, um, your people are more comfortable giving feedback in different ways. I've got a, a couple clients that you don't do a, a lot of emails, but they'll send me a really nice handwritten note. And so, you know, that's, you know, that's their, their comfortable form of, of feedback. And I think that that's really, it's a really good point to make, like really knowing who your clients are and how to communicate best with them to make sure that you, you get the, the feedback that you're looking for, um, in what way they can deliver it best. Mm -hmm. Um, so in terms of like services and outreach, um, that you, you offer some of those options for, for clients to do improvements and things like that. Um, and then you, you talked about maintenance, what do you find? And obviously it's going to be different for every client, but overall across your business, what do you think the the services and outreach that you do get the, the most, um, enthusiasm over the, the best responses from? Mm -hmm. That's a hard question to answer because, it seems like there aren't really trends that are obvious. You know, you're, you might get a reaction to um, a newsletter you sent out 
but that could be built on five other different touch points that you've had with this client before that. So uh, it is very much speculation on my part. I think clients, so I think I'm going to answer the question, what do I sense clients most appreciate? And I, I find that they appreciate very thoughtful gifts at the end um, of a project. And, um, and this is um, one of the other buckets that, that um, client touches fall, fall into, which are brand collateral gifts. And I, I know this is not a conversation about brand development today, but just, just some ideas um, about how gifting can be an extension of your business. And um, these, these should be thoughtful items that will have longevity to reinforce your brand and keep you top of mind. So I, throughout the year, will get uh, feedback from clients that they have loved one, a calendar. I send out a calendar every holiday season that has photographs from that year's gardens or either travel, um, my garden travel throughout the year. And the, the clients really love this. They, I go to visit them and they have it sitting on their desk, the small desk calendar. <clears throat> and, and they get an extra kick, I think, when they see that there's a photo included from one of, you know, from their project, a, a detail or, or, um, um, uh, sort of um, uh, wide view photo of something that seems familiar to them. So the, the calendars have been really successful for me. The other um, product that, or the other gift that I will give to clients is um, a, uh, a handmade vase. And I know we talked a little bit about my, my business is very relational. And I think most landscape designers have a business that you, they're developing with clients, um, a connection over time. One of the things that I think about in terms of gift giving for clients is how do I make, how do I create a gift for them that is going to be used is going to be beautiful and is going to keep you top of mind and um the I, I don't want to waste my money or time or the earth's resources for that matter on gifts that a client will not likely appreciate and they shouldn't feel marketing but shouldn't feel like marketing but should feel useful and beautiful something that's going to reflect what you want your client to associate with you. And uh, so here's an example from my practice. Again, I have a very relational business. So um, this is with clients, with my community, with the folks who are installing the, the projects, the contractors, the local artists. And part of what sets my business apart from others is that I have cultivated relationships with a lot of local artists and collaborations with artists is really part of, um, we weave that into our design process whenever we can. So we give away a lot of local and handmade items and these pieces have become a signature of sorts. For example, at the end of a project, my favorite gift is a a beautiful large ceramic vase which has my leaf logo systematically stamped all over it and my signature stamped at the bottom a local ceramicist makes this for us in bulk and then i fill them with seasonal flower arrangements and they get delivered with a handwritten personalized thank you note along with some information about the artist and this will hopefully be used for years to come uh, hopefully in plain sight with gatherings from the garden that we've created for them, gatherings of flowers and cuttings, and a 
beautiful reminder of a joyful design process and a reminder of the garden that was the product of that process. So I'm also reminding them that it's important to have art in our lives and to support the local, local arts community. And it's a reminder to them that I also can help them find just the right piece of art for that sight line out their kitchen window. So I try to think of ways that can pull in as many pieces of my business model when I'm looking for gifts to give. And, and this is a great example of something that I will go back to clients' houses in a year and they've got the vase right there on their um, kitchen counter. And so my, back to your question of what are the things that I, uh, what, what are the things that I feel like may make the most impact with clients? It's those that have the highest combination of what's gonna be useful, what's gonna be beautiful, and what's gonna be a reminder to the client that you are right there when they need to pull you in for the next phase of their project, when they need a maintenance consult, when they refer to a friend, you are going to be top of mind. I love so, how full circle the the vase idea is. It brings, gives them, you know, an opportunity to, to be reminded of you, but it also helps them engage with their garden by having the space that they can fill continually with things from their own garden. I, I love it. Absolutely. It is very much full circle. And we have, we have a number of gifts, gifts that we keep at our fingertips. Um, so thinking about customizing the design, I mean, thinking about choosing the gift specific to a certain moment in the client's life or, um, or a different thank you, because we, we will do almost every project we do is phased in. So we'll do the back part, one phase, the front garden, another phase. So I have to have more than one gift for most of my projects. And we have, um, we have coffee table books that are garden related that we give as gifts. We have a branded garden journal that is given uh, at that comes in actually at the beginning of the project. So these these touches with physical leave behind things have been really successful for me. Um, do you what do you have in place for a tracking system to to track? Um, like for example, you mentioned that you've got a lot of a lot of phased projects, which I do as well. And how do you, do you have something in, in your system so you can look back and be like, oh, I gave them the vase for phase one, you know, let's look at, you know, something different to, for their, their gift for phase two. Yes. Well, that's really essential because you don't want to give the same gift twice. Um, and yes, we have a spreadsheet that follows our projects from start to finish. And I think there are maybe like 50 or 60 different either check boxes or um, places to write exactly what you're talking about so that we can keep track of um, what gifts have been given. And also when you're thinking about ordering uh, something in bulk, it just gives you some information to be smart about how much you're keeping on hand and how frequently you're needing things. But a try, I'm all about systems, I, and I know, I know I'm speaking to the choir with you, but <laughs> for sure. But uh, the more that you can that you can create a process for something, the easier it is for you to just let that process work work, and then you don't have to carry around thought bubbles that are taking up space and cluttering your mind, where you want to be using that for creativity. How many projects um, do you, obviously every year is a little bit different um, and workflow kind of has an ebb and flow to it, but how many projects do you typically do um, a, a year kind of averages? We do seven to nine projects a year and they're all in different. I mean, that's what we typically have on the board and they're in different 
parts of the process. Some of them are um, in the site measurement phase and some of them are in the creating the care book at the end of the project phase. So, um, and it depends on the size of them. Sometimes we'll have a few more projects that are smaller in size, but seven to 10 is a good average. So that makes it a little bit uh, more manageable mentally to kind of keep keep track of, but also just kind of making, it, it's always interesting to kind of know how how people are tracking things. And, you know, like you said, it's you know, the, the processes and the systems in place to, I find that people that carry a, a heavier workload really rely more heavily on processes and systems to be able to increase their, their workflow. And um, for designers like you and I that have employees, that makes a big difference as well. Like having those pieces set in place so that you're not the only one that knows what the next step is. And it's very clear and and those systems are, and even like you said, your, your tracking sheet of what needs to happen and notes and that to be able to share amongst employees so that they understand what's, what's happening, what the next steps are, what needs to be done. That way it's not all, all in your head. And that creates a framework for us to be able to think outside the box, uh, you know, be more creative. I don't want to use time tracking something or, to, or or space in my brain tracking something that is going to take away from the amount of energy I have to go toward a project. So what I find is the more that we can get clear about what, you know, what those systems are and then use them, the more I see a direct correlation in my practice to how, how our projects turn out, how much creativity is in our projects, how much um, we are able to think um, whether we're on the job site or we're at the computer or at the drawing board, if you have part of your brain running on, oh, wow, did I do X, Y, and Z in my business, then that is going to be obviously a distraction from the piece that is, for most of us, why we're doing this, that we love the process of envisioning and bringing to reality beautiful outdoor spaces. And, and if I you had mentioned earlier what's a valuable piece of advice that I would give to designers. Um, I mean, that's the, that is the, that's the first thing that I say, get good systems from the start. If you are a new business owner, figuring out what systems you need and then creating them and then implementing them and using them is huge. I mean, we, we're asked to wear so many hats as landscape designers. Horticulture, we're, we're asked to be excellent at a lot of different things. Horticulture knowledge, um, the natural world, design skills, computer skills, accounting, client and contractor relationships, project management. I mean, it can be so overwhelming. I know I was so overwhelmed, overwhelmed when I started my business in um, a, a tiny little pantry in my house it's it's a lot and I I think the the successful the, the way to successfully manage all this is to develop and use really good solid systems and maybe that's a checklist maybe it's a flowchart maybe it's a how-to document or a spreadsheet for tracking your project whatever it is um, that that's really been key to me and and very liberating and very relieving and honestly I've grown to love creating systems um it's it can be really fun to figure out like how to make them feel how to make them look creative um how to make them work their easiest or spark some kind of joy by using them but what I've really fallen in love with is the results because it's it is it's nice to have that, um, you know, 
systems can yield an immediate result, but really it's like the compounded interest of a system that over time just is is essential to successfully running a small design business. Well, I feel like it, when you've got a good system in place that that you can kind of effortlessly work through so that, like you said, you can really focus your, your mental energy on the creativity part and not have to think about, okay, what's the next step? What do I, what am I forgetting? What information do I need to gather? If it's all there, I think that that, that really helps you to be able to not only look professional to your clients, but also just function in a, in a much higher level and be able to really give your best to your clients when you're not focused on, on the little mundane things and you can really you know, put forth the most creativity and the most thoughtfulness. Absolutely. It's, it's really a cumulative effect of saving a little or a lot of energy. Um, I recently read somewhere that it was like 40% of time, a study that had found 40%, 40 something, I can't remember what the number was, but I remember thinking, whoa, 40% of time is wasted at work due to inefficient processes. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. And it's available there for us to capture. Yeah. Well, and I think um, the the efficiencies help you deliver better to your clients too, because when you're not you know, having to go through you know, an archaic system to deliver your designs and the installation, they're getting... I mean, clients get really excited. They want things quickly. And especially in this realm of, you know, instant gratification and they can order something on Amazon in the morning and have it there by the afternoon. Like people oftentimes don't like waiting for things and they get so excited and it's nice to be able to kind of keep things moving along and not, not having to, to make people wait as well. And it's, it's the idea of how you do one thing is how you do everything that if you have if you have a system that you're whatever system you're following and your client sees that you are efficient, you're organized, you're on task, you're on time, whatever that example is, they are going to generalize that to what to expect from their experience with you in all different ways. And that's what we want. We want clients to see us as, organized, efficient, and, um, and it is really valuable for that trust and just building relationships with clients where they know what to expect. They may not know exactly what the detail is to expect, but they expect that you're going to show up in that way. I love that. And you're so right. in in terms of how that really plays a big part in building trust with clients. Um, so as we wrap up, I have one more question for you. Um, who is inspiring you right now? Oh, wow. As creatives, it's so important to make space for inspiration. This really feeds our creative energy. And obviously that's essential. So I am inspired right now by uh, Julie Moore Messerby. She's been designing gardens for a long time, and she's often at the top of my list of inspirations. I love how she sees the design process as a joyful one with her clients, and the results really show she um, she has gorgeous commercial and residential projects that are creative environmentally sensitive and timeless. Love it. Um, I did lie. I have one more question for you before we wrap up. Do you have a question for me? I've asked you tons of questions. What's important to you in your life that helps you balance work and personal life? That's a really good question. Um, and it's actually funny because my husband and I were just talking about this. We went um, over to see our nephew that is going to WSU 
and both my husband and I are alumni there. And so we, we went over to see a football game and visit him. And so we had a, a lot of time. It's a five hour drive as uh, so we were, we were talking about that and kind of talking about our careers and kind of his, his next steps and kind of where I see my business going and that. And I think the biggest piece, and I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's, it's really like the, the reason that you do what you do is because you, you love the work, but working for yourself is a whole different dynamic. And I think the, I have young or young ish kids, they're uh, 10 and 12. And so they're very busy with sports. And I really want to my business to feed, to feed my opportunities to not only provide fun and exciting things for them and being able to, to go on vacations and things like that. But I want my business to be something that doesn't pull away from that. And I think that that's a really hard balancing act for a lot of entrepreneurs. I've set some really very strong boundaries in place for myself to make sure that I'm not working nights and weekends and that I, you know, at the end of the day, when the kids get off the bus and walk in, I, I start wrapping up for the day and I close my door and I don't go back in my office until the next morning. And I think that that helps and having, having systems in place and having awesome employees that can kind of help keep things running when I do need to, you know, take off early for the day and go to a, a football game or a baseball game or uh, take, take my kids to sports and activities, or even just, you know, an extra long weekend is, is really important. And I think that that's really what I want my business to afford me the opportunities to do and, and to build those those fun memories while the kids are still at home. And then once I'm an empty nester, my answer will probably change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and one of the lovely things about owning your own business is that you can be very deliberate about how your personal life um influences your business, how your business influences your personal life. And, and I know I have learned so much that has in my personal life that has impacted how I run my business and has made my business stronger. And I have had so many experiences in my business that I feel like have really impacted my personal life and made that also more fulfilling and, um, and, and it's a, it's a lovely, it can be a very lovely balance and it also takes work. Yeah. I, I heard a podcast. It was a long time ago. I forget who it was. Um, but they were talking about rather than, rather than focusing on it being like a balance, thinking about it being a, a focus shift, because if you think about it being a balance, it's like a teeter totter. Like you can't really have one foot in each at the same time and, and successfully for a long time, kind of keep that balance. You kind of have to hop from one side to the other. And so having, having boundaries in place where it's like, okay, I am in my office, I'm in work mode and mm -hmm. then, okay, door is shut. I'm headed to a volleyball game or taking my kids to practice or whatever. Now, you know, the door to the office is shut and now I'm in mom mode and I'm not answering emails and I'm, you know, fully engaged and really, I think trying to be present mm -hmm. in both, but not at the same time helps a lot and kind of that balance. I love that. And it's a reminder that words matter, like how we frame something or how we speak about something, whether we talk of the balance or we talk of focus feels really different and it's it's beautiful how we can use those um those constructs to shift the way that we move through work and life with a simple choice of word yeah I mean, I still say balance all the time, but really like I, every time I talk about it, that's really what I think. And I just have this like mental image of, you know, the, the teeter totter. And it's like, I don't want to try and balance. I want to be able to just 
shift from, from one place to the other and really be, be very focused and very present. And I think that I do my best work when I'm that way, when I'm not thinking, you know, when I'm not trying to answer an email while I'm, you know, sitting at a volleyball game, I'm going to put in like gibberish because I'm not fully focused on it or, you know, the other direction. Like I want my daughter to look over and see that I'm, I'm watching her as she's playing and playing well, like, instead of me just staring at my phone, answering emails, like, I think that that, that focus shift in the the presence is important to me. Well, and it impacts efficiency for sure. Yeah. Because if you're distracted, then it's going to take you longer to finish whatever task it is. And, you know, for each of us, it's different. Like for some people, they prefer working later at night. They're, they're more creative in that space. And I'm not, I, my work life is more like how you're describing yours, where I have certain hours that I'm in, I have a home office, I'm in my office certain hours. And then when I turn my lights out, that's it, I'm done. And, and I find that the more I'm fully present in either of those spaces, the more I am efficient, the more enjoyable it is. And, uh, and I have, sometimes have to really be uh, disciplined, I guess is the best way to say it, where yeah. I'll think at the end of the day, okay, I've got several things here I want to do, and I will find a way to cut off that extending past a certain time of the day and and I have all, all kinds of tricks and this would be a whole nother podcast but I have all kinds of tricks of how I sort of make that space and not only make it when I'm in it but make it where I want to come back to it the next morning yeah that's also part of the trick I love it we'll have to we'll have to schedule another date and talk about that I think that that sounds amazing what a joy to be um, in conversation with you today. Thank you for having me. And I, um, yes, look forward to more conversations. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and you being willing to to share your thoughts and ideas and nerd out on processes and systems. It's obviously what I love. <laughs> so thank you so much. I, I appreciate it a ton. You're welcome. To wrap up, I want to thank you for your time. I hope the ideas discussed today have left you feeling excited and energized. As I build both my business and my life, I value the support and feedback you provide. I would love for you to reach out to me to let me know what you think, give me ideas, or just to connect. Please don't forget to subscribe and also share with a friend. Until next time, go create something wonderful.